Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This podcast is sponsored by Wine Access. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP. Get 10% off your first order and see things that I am drinking right now. Listen in the middle of the show for more details. Since I got back from Italy, I have done a lot of patron events. I have mostly caught up on the trip. Caught up on sleep. Caught up on some sleep. Yeah. Well, you know, that never really happens. I don't sleep much. But I definitely feel like this podcast is the cherry on top. However, we will have producers on the show from the trip because how could we not? They were so amazing. And these stories need to be shared directly from their mouths so that you who are listening can understand why I'm so excited about some of these producers and why they really are very significant. Now, I have to say that my trip to Campania is really a culmination of an obsession with the grapes of this region. This was after your tour, right? This was after the tour. Okay. And... So you were just hanging out thinking, what can I do to avoid going home? um, I know. (laughs) Let's go to Campania. (laughs) Got it. Next. Okay. I was thinking that I'm already going to be there, and I usually do tack on a day or two wherever I go to go see something extra. You should. And this was something that I had dreamed about for a long time and talked about for a long time, and it's a bit out of the way, but I made it happen through the logistics. So I flew into Rome and took a train up to Florence with my big old bag Mm -hmm. and then took a train back from Bulgaria where we ended our trip, then went to Rome and, and walked 12 and a half miles. How many? St- you had 30,000 steps that yeah. day, right? Yeah. Trick, everybody, if you want to see Rome, you really want to see it without the tourists, go mm-hmm. walk around at night. That's my tip. I've been there a few times, so I really, really enjoyed it. Very few people got to be right up close to the Coliseum, nice and quiet, no crowds, only people like me. No, <laughs> no lions. <laughs> Right. No, oh, and the lions? Yep. No, no alligators, right. nothing Good. like that. No, Good. no. It is really creepy though to go to the Coliseum because you do. Do you know how much death yeah, yeah. occurred I mean, really, there? When you think about it, like this thing is a monument just to human violence, just brutality. Well, the juxtaposition of the beauty of the architecture against the brutality and darkest elements of human existence, right? I mean, it, it is unbelievable such a majestic building and such a barbaric idea behind it right right anyway i wanted to take this time even though i did a patron hangout so a bunch of the patrons have access to this information already plus more again join patreon if you want the inside dirt somebody said to me on the trip god it sounds like you have so many patrons i'm like well we have less that we have like four percent of people who listen to the podcast as patrons. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's yeah. really not very many people. But they're people. very vocal. Is the they thing. are, and it's yes. such a fun community. But yes. anyway, it would be nice Active, if. I yes, mean, yes, you know. it would be nice if you are into the podcast if you joined. You I will was, make some nice friends, though. Some really hilarious friends. Yes. I mean, we were exchanging haikus last night I with know. Scott. I was going to say, yeah. is that, yeah. that's aimed at you, Scott. Yeah, that Scott Ryder gets a big shout out for being such a fun patron. Really brings the party. But anyway, Campania 
has been a dream of mine because I have loved the wines for so long. I can't wait to go back there again. I just loved it. It was different. It was not as developed. And there was just something about that that really resonated with me. And the people were so kind. Like, I could not have asked for a nicer trip. You know, when you go to... Is it like old school farming? Is that why? Yeah, kind of. People, they have money and they have nice houses and things. But I think that there's a difference between North and South. And when you go to Barolo and Barbaresco, they are quite nice, but they know the drill, right? They know the hospitality. Right. Everybody speaks English. It's it's a little bit more buttoned up. Not everybody. I guess not everybody speaks English, but a lot of people do. And it's very, okay, this is what we're doing now. And this is the program. And Tuscany is a bit like that too. And then you go south and they are happy to see you. And I was actually very, very proud to hear that the main consumer visits that come through Campania... All come from Wine for Normal People listeners. Not yet, but hopefully they will. They come from America. Really? Yes. Americans really are on board with Campania. Now, a lot of that has to do with our Italian-American heritage and people Mm. feeling bonded, whether they're from Naples or other parts of Campania, even from Molise or Abruzzo or wherever, they may be interested in the wines of this region because they are tied to that heritage. But I think it was really nice thing. And the only tourists I saw were all Americans. There weren't very many. Were they behaving? Everybody was really nice. I mean, they were all really into wine. Good. Um, Before we get started, I am going to do the patron shout outs. If you want to become a patron, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wine for normal people is how you can help the podcast stay afloat. Plus, become part of a fantastic community of people who got to go on the Tuscany trip because you can't go on the trips unless you're a patron. It's a good thing to do if you're interested in helping this podcast keep going. Did my membership lapse or something? Is that why I didn't get to go? Yes. Yes. I looked you up after you signed up and I noticed that you were not a patron. Actually, we did have to do that with one or two people. Really? I'm very strict about it. I will check. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's give some shout outs first to Aggie F, Katie S, Teresa H, Brady C, Jonathan F, Mary Beth B, JP and Katie, Candace B, Crystal C, Dalen D, Pooja S, Sonia P, Juliana T, Hannah P, William F, Stephen H, Casey J, Aileen Greg H, David K, Doran, John, VJC. Hey, VJ and Ann, you guys are the best. Thanks for joining, VJ. You didn't have to do that. You could have just been with Ann, but I appreciate you. Aaron, Wayne, Vladimir B, Chris D, Megan A, Mary Jo C, Chuck L, Nick, Lawrence S, Ariane M, and Michael C. It was a little bit long because we haven't done them in a while. But anyway, I want to thank everybody. I see that there's some people who have joined and rejoined, and I appreciate that too. You are always welcome back into the community. Sometimes the credit cards lapse. And, or something or something else comes up and you got to spend money. You got to yeah, reallocate money. Absolutely. That's fine. Absolutely. But no matter what, you are always welcome back in the community. We are always happy to have you. So thank you to everybody. And I appreciate all of you for keeping us afloat and, and allowing us to do this work. So let's talk Campania. I'm embarrassed about this. What's one of my favorite, I mean, probably my favorite white in existence. I would say it's Fiano. Right. Because you get so excited yes, every time every we time. drink it. You love it. But if you had asked me before today, like, all right, this is your favorite white. Where's it from? You would not have known. Nope. Wow. 
I think I could have narrowed it down to Italy. Okay, well, at least you Maybe. know that. I don't know. You might not have known that. <laughs> no, you might I would have, have, thought it was I Spain have known France. Italy, but okay. I had no idea where. I don't care where it's from. I just want to drink it. It is fabulous. I'm teaching a class on the whites of Italy because okay. they are so good between Suave and oh, Arnaise and Vermentino right. and Verdicchio and Pecorino. I couldn't even narrow it down. I'm going to have to teach this class again, likely. Like if That's it's popular, probably going to wow. get, I'm probably going to ask people if they want to do part two. These wines are really special. And Fiano and Greco di Tufo, which is another one. We will not be mm-hmm. tasting Fiano in this first. If there's another installment of it, we'll be tasting it in the second class. But Fiano, Greco, Alianico, and then we have Falangina, which is like the light wine of the four. And then there are other parts of Campania where there are other grapes. Are these all from Campania? These are all from Campania. Oh my God, no these wonder are the you three. went there. If I thought before that they were some of my favorite wines. Yeah. I have absolutely solidified that. And along with it... After visiting. Yes. Along with it, I have learned so much, and I have also created relationships with some of these producers who I adore. Now, Antonio Cavaldo from Feodi di San Gregorio has been on the show. And I reached out to him and told him I was coming. He put me up at the winery, had dinner with me, and we had such a wonderful time. He is going to come back on the show to talk about the state of things in Campania and where things are going because he's a real force. They are the largest producer in the area. Hmm. So that's really interesting. But he's a young guy, really has great ideas, such a nice, but so open, wonderful person. Anyway, we will have him on. How many different varietals does he offer? Fiano, it's Greco, and Adianico. So it's all the hit. And Falangina. Well, it's, oh, this Falang- is what everybody This is what everybody grows there. It's four grapes. Now, if you get closer to Vesuvius, you mm-hmm. will see Pidu Rosso and you will see Cora de Volpe. And there are some other ancillary grapes. But these are really the main grapes. From the standpoint of knowing Campania, which is where, if you know where Napoli is, Naples, mm-hmm. Pompeii. Mount Vesuvius and the Amalfi Amalfi Coast, the island of Capri, those are all in the province of Campania. Now, Campania, unfortunately, most people stop at the Amalfi Coast or Pompeii and they never venture internally, which is where I was. I actually have never been to the Amalfi Coast, but now I have been to my dream wine region or one of my dream wine regions, which is Irpinia, Avellino, and the areas around Greco di Tufo and Tarazzi. I didn't make it to the town of Benevento, but I was in Avellino. One thing I want to say is about the terrain. So I took my suitcases, I took the train down to Rome, stayed the night, and then I picked up a car. When you drive... Over the line from Lazio, which is the province that Rome is in, over to Campania, all of a sudden, it's a dramatic change in scenery. Maybe about five miles or 10 kilometers, a little less than 10 kilometers. Before you get to the line, it starts to get real different. The terrain starts to change from just being hilly to all of a sudden, you see looming in the distance these sharp mountains. Mm -hmm. And you know that you're going somewhere different. And as soon as I was like, wow, what is this? Boom, the sign for Campania came up. Hmm. It is mountainous. Now, there is a fork in the road, and you can go to Naples, which is at the coast. You see Vesuvius 
by the way. Yep. And you turn east and you are going towards the mountain. Inland. Inland. That is not the choice of most people. Most people want to go to the Amalfi Coast. Then you're on these mountain roads and they're twisting and turning. They're not really bad to drive on, though. I also had not like a your time in Northern the, California. No, not that bad. Although it reminded me of Humboldt County, where the redwoods oh, are, yeah. with that wider yep. turning. Yep. It was kind of like that, very foggy. It was rainy when I was there. Oh, huh. Now I was told that Campania it rains between 100 and 180 days a year. Wow, I had no idea. They do not is have an inland? issue with it. Uh, does it doesn't rain out on the Amalfi? Coast, no, right? not on the coast. This is inland. You have mountains. This is not coastal, and this is not Pompeii, and this is not even Vesuvius, which incidentally, Vesuvius is a major hiking destination, which I did not know. So you see small houses, and what you don't see are huge tracts of vineyards. Why? You Where see are they? them. They're nestled. Little valleys and hillsides? No, like, yeah, you might drive on one turn and you'll see a vineyard, but then you won't see anything for a while. Huh. And there are a couple of back roads where there are a bunch of vineyards, but it's not so sprawling. It's, fragmented? it's completely fragmented. Huh. People own a few hectares here, a few hectares there. And these estates are not big and most of them are family owned. The other thing is that there are things that are incredibly similar to Piedmont. First of all, it's mountainous. Everything's at elevation. We're talking about 550 meters or 1,800 feet elevation. Things are high off the ground. Mm -hmm. Does that mean diurnals? Huge diurnals. It does get very cold at night. Right. If you're going to go there, yeah, make like sure you packing bring a jacket. Packing sounded like, sound like oh, it was going to be really rack. tough because you've got rack. these wild swings in temperature and climate. Tuscany has it also. So it's a little bit warmer in Tuscany than it is, strangely, in Campania. Hmm. Doesn't make sense. No. But we're in the mountains. So this is where it's similar to Piedmont. It also has a very late harvest. They have a really long growing season. They don't start harvesting till mid-September or early October. Wow. And Alianico, it can be November, mid-October into November, the harvest, if it's cooler. Also, I did a podcast with, I talk about him all the time, Jean-Baptiste from Chateau Antonique, talking about how they're putting trees in the vineyards in Bordeaux right. and creating wildlife corridors. Yep. And he was so inspirational that we dug up our front yard and tried to create a wildlife corridor there. It is... He was the inspiration behind that? Yes. Oh, yes. nice. Yes, I kept telling you to listen to that podcast. I know. I still have not listened to the I whole have. Thing. I just forget. I want to just say, this is such a, like, I'm sorry to go off again on another tangent, but what I really realized in Campania is that... We are at a very big juncture in agriculture, especially in the old world. I'm not seeing it as much in the new world, but in the old world, how so? I am seeing a big, big thought bubble that's forming in every single region that I've gone to, whether it be France or in Italy recently. Like positive? Extremely positive because what people are realizing is that with all of our technology and all of the advances that we've made, that we probably should not have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. There were many things. What baby? There are many things that people came up with, the innovations, the old way of doing things right. that were the right way. And we decided to not do them, and we decided to stop doing them, and we decided to do things like in a what? different way. Trees in the vineyard. Oh. 
mixed agriculture. We see this in Portugal. We see it in Spain. We see it in Italy. This was subsistence farming. Yeah, I mean, your your pictures that you showed me of that were pretty dramatic. There's trees everywhere. Right. There's forest everywhere. Mm-hmm. This is something that they have to go back and reinstall in Bordeaux hmm. because it's all vineyards. But it already exists in some of these older regions. You'd see it in... Campania because they never stop doing it. And the new world is not catching on to this yet? Not yet. Hmm. Not seeing it. I'm not seeing it at all. Laced within the vineyards, you see hazelnut trees or you'll see olive trees. They've never taken them out and they're not uprooting them. And that kind of mixed agriculture is incredibly beneficial for grapes because it's not all one crop. Right. And that really helps bring wildlife diversity. It helps bring bugs that eat bad vineyard bugs. It helps keep it helps the bring additional ecosystem. nutrients to the soils. Exactly. Right? Really, really interesting that the old ways are new. Now, Fortunately, we're not going back to all the old ways in the cellar because that's really where a lot of the problems were. They weren't necessarily in the vineyards, but in the cellars. But we are seeing bush trees. Yes, it's hygiene. They didn't clean. We're maintaining that. And then so I just see wine getting better and better in the sense that we have mountains and in the sense that we have diurnals and in the sense that we have chestnuts are a major crop. Hazelnuts. I love hazelnuts. A big Rocher factory yeah. is in Piedmont. But guess where they have Did another... Did till closing time or... I didn't get to go. The other factory for Rocher is in Campania because they really? grow so many hazelnuts there. Huh. Yes. And the other thing they have in Campania that Piedmont does not have the market on are truffles. Really? Yes. You can do truffle hunting in Campania as well and it'd be a lot less crowded. Very interesting, these parallels. The difference is, guess who has no problems with drought and no problems with having to change the way that they're doing things because it's getting so dry and so hot? Campania. They are not seeing the kind of climate change that Piedmont is seeing. The soil here is very different from Piedmont because this is the site of many former volcanoes. It's got to be volcanic. There are right? also there was a big earthquake in 1980, which brought many of the producers back to this region because it was decimated, and there was then money flowing in from the EU to try to help. You've got a lot of tectonic movement, but you have tooth, volcanic soils, and it is interlaced in a lot of the soil types here, along with clay. They have done amazing strides, according to the producers, in rootstock and pruning and figuring out exactly how to work the soils so you don't overwork them. Campania is also the site of one of the first railway stations in Italy, and that helped the wine region in Campania as well because they were able they to could distribute exp- their product, right? Well, yeah, you'd love that. But in, unfortunately, they exploited the area for the Aglianico to boost up the wines of Chianti oh. and the, the Nebbiolo. I'm going to go over some of the visits that I had. I had six visits, and I'm just going to focus on four because two were fine. They were good. They just weren't the things that I got very excited about. That's fair. So not as distinct, not as representative of the region. One I felt was a bit commercial, frankly, which okay. I, even at Feodi, I didn't, even though it's so commercial, right. I didn't feel like that. Okay. Then another, I really didn't care for the wines and they are very expensive. Ooh, okay. This is a, a winery that has a very, very high reputation. The wines are some of the most expensive in the region and I just didn't care for them. They were too, okay. it's almost like they know too much about the vineyards and they make it too... Is it too clinical? Yeah, not enough soul. And the opposite of that is DeMeo. Roberto DeMeo, 
who has said that he'll be on the podcast. He's an amazing person. And how lucky was I that my first visit was with him? And I did not know this because it's nowhere on the website. No one talks about it. He's a Fiano obsessive. So immediately he and I were best friends. Nice. Yes. He's got a classic line of wines. You can get them. They're fantastic. The Greco is great. The Fiano is unbelievable. The Alianico, oh my God, the Tarazzi, wow. But Fiano is his passion. He ages the Fiano, and it is unreal. This is Riesling. Wait, is it not really? Is it not typically aged? No, it's never aged. And this guy when you has say aged. Figured, how much? How much? Okay, aging I are had you one from two thousand four. I had one from nineteen ninety three, and I had 93? one. Yes, and I had like, one. Were you from, even alive then? Ha ha! And I had another one from two thousand fourteen. Wow. These wines, the Alessandra was aged nine years. It tasted like an aged Riesling. They say Fiano is like an aged Burgundy and Greco is like an aged Riesling. I think they actually have that wrong. You think it's reverse? I think it's the reverse, actually. Really? Because I don't think I don't like Riesling, but there are many that I do. But I would not associate Fiano with Riesling. Aged Fiano. Yeah. Because things change when you start to age Fiano. What you get are these savory, petrol, flint, cheese-rind notes. The one from 1993 tasted like lemon meringue and herbs and honey and manchego is my note. Hmm. That is aged Riesling. That is aged Riesling. Petrol and honey, cheese-rind, that is aged Riesling for me. now. Aged Fiano is similar to aged Riesling, is yes, what you're saying. Yes, it okay. is, and it is spectacular, stunning, and there is nobody, and people widely acknowledge it, there is nobody that does Fiano like DeMeo. If you like Fiano, you have got to try these wines. Not only did I love him, and I loved Paola, who was the important marketing manager, yep. the visit was spectacular and so informative it was conducted all in spanish because she spoke spanish that was the common language <laughs> that was our common language okay. he does speak some english so he is he said that if i give him the questions ahead of time he feels comfortable coming on the show i can't wait oh my god i can't That's wait gonna be awesome. we were hugging each other at the end it was so lovely for someone who loves fiano like me he just saw that my appreciation was so high that's why they brought out the 1993 it didn't have a label on it We'll take a step away from the podcast to thank our sponsors this week. I've already mentioned you, patrons on Patreon. Please think about joining this awesome community. Less than about 3 or 4% of people who listen to the show contribute to Patreon, and it is what helps keep us going and allows me to be able to tell you about these fantastic regions that you might not normally know about. For as little as $22 a year U.S., you can become a member of Patreon, and you can be proud that you are supporting the work that we're doing. So patreon.com slash wine for normal people. And hey, guess what? If you love Italian whites, you should get on it today. Wineformnormalpeople.com slash classes. I have a class on Italian whites right now. Also Oregon and Washington and a whole bunch of other great classes listed through the middle of the summer. Wineformnormalpeople.com slash classes. And Wine Access, we mentioned them in the beginning of the show. What a fantastic partner. Not only does Wine Access have 
some of the best wines that you can't get locally. They also have a fantastic team that puts together the best wines from the best regions. And I can tell you that firsthand, such wonderful people that we met when we were in Tuscany. Those were wine access contacts. The wines that they provide are top-notch. They're curated from around the world from a credentialed team of wine experts. They're priced well, and you're not going to find them everywhere. The story behind each wine is in the box on a sheet with tasting notes and information about pairing and serving temperatures, which I love. The wines are often available for repurchase. It's like a collection of wines of the greatest hits, plus new stuff for you to discover. If you miss out on a wine, you can sign up to receive notifications and be alerted when that wine is available. So it's not just one and done. Free shipping is included when you spend $150 or more. You have up to a month to reach that $150 shipping threshold. And that's not hard to do, and it's going to save you a lot of money. If you haven't checked them out, go to wineaccess.com slash normal. Get 10% off your first order and join my co-branded wine club with Wine Access. You can also go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP, which will take you to a page of my picks, wines that I love and I'm drinking right now. Go to wineacces.com slash WFMP. And now let's get back to this show on Campania. If you can't tell, I'm pretty stoked about my trip there. I love these wines. I'm telling you that if you have not had Fiano, you need to go directly to DeMeo. Wow, an Italian that's enthusiastic and gregarious? Huh. Weird. He's not gregarious. He's a real thinker. What? And he's, he's a little bit of a an intellectual, really. really. Yes, quiet and thoughtful and really passionate and really experimental, but not out there. Also, they're Aglianico. They're Tarazi. They grow it at like 2,000 plus feet, 800 meters plus. Mm. Cinnamon and pepper, full fruit and spice. I remember many years ago, the first Tarazi that I ever had was like that. I can't remember who the producer was. And I remember it tasting very spicy and peppery. And in my wine experience, I have had a hard time finding that in Aglianico again. Well, guess what? I had it everywhere. You got to go up, though. You got to spend a little... Do re me. Anyway, the Alianico. Like expensive excellent. for you or expensive for. A hundred plus dollars. Oh, yeah. Okay. Expensive. Expensive. Yeah. All right. I also want to say. Because expensive for you. I, you know, $30. Over te- yeah. $30 right. is expensive. Yeah. Ratafia. Ratafia is a cordial, basically. Roberto makes it out of Alianico. It is not a wine. It's it's seasoned with herbs and usually the pit of a stone fruit. So stone fruit is like, really? you know, nectarines or peaches. Yep. Yep. And then they put all these herbs and spices in. It was like having a gelato with a bunch of herbs and spices. It was like an assault of the senses in the best possible way. When did you have it? Did you have I it had with it there a at meal? The end. Or... No, no, no. He gave okay. it to me at the end. Oh, okay. And it's sold in the U.S., so I will be seeking that nice. out, too. DeMeo is, oh, I just love it. Okay, nothing bring them bad. on. Let's nothing go. Nothing bad. Nothing bad. Okay, I'm going to talk about Patilia. If DeMeo was conducted all in Spanish, Patilia, I arrived and they said, we do not speak any English. Okay. They did not tell me that before I went. Yeah, I still would have How's been fine with it. your translate app on your phone working? Um, we did have to do it a couple of times, nice. but they spoke in Italian. And Teresa, she's actually the head of the consorcio for the winemakers in Irpinia. Yes. She was awesome. And for some reason, her 
Italian was so clear that it was very easy to oh, understand. Nice. Yeah, so I got probably seventy five percent of it. You. Uh, you know, <laughs> good enough. <laughs> Between my sign, this, I mean, Italian with your sign how, language, there's a lot of C, 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 and yeah, then, yeah. you know, no, I was able to ask some questions. You know, okay. at that point, I knew what she was saying, so I was able to be like, okay, on that point, blah blah blah. You know, so well, you took a ton of notes, so you must have understood something. Patilia, Roberto, and Teresa make the wine together. First of all, they're awesome. And they're not widely distributed. So if you are a distributor you and you're listening them? to this, Antonio Capaldo set me up oh, with them. Okay. They are distributed here, but just in small amounts. Okay. They are the nicest people, but not just that. They are Greco specialists. Hmm. So I went from the Fiano specialist to the Greco specialist. They had a pet nat, a petillant natural, a sparkling one with one fermentation in the bottle, which I usually hate. And let me just tell wait, you something. Wait, why do you usually hate those? Because the fermentation doesn't always complete all the way, and it's sweet, and it's fizzy, and it can be a Does little it bit feel unfinished, sticky. It or... feels unfinished. Okay. This was spectacular. Greco really? is the right grape to do this with because it has high minerality, and it's not a very sweet grape. So what they explained to me is, and incidentally, they're organic. Real organic? Yes. Oh, okay. no, everybody who says it in Italy, you have to be, I mean, the certifications okay. have to be there. Greco is like a red. That's how they think of it. They what? think of it like a red wine. What's funny is that their Fiano, yeah. which was quite good, tasted just like a Greco. So they obviously have an orientation towards Greco, which right. it was great. It was delicious. They also had an orange wine, which you know how I feel it about was, orange wine. It's skin contact right, wine. Right. It was made out of Greco, also quite good. The Fiano tasting like a Greco, is that because of the wine making? Yes. Okay. Right. Not so they're picking the, it a little bit on the it. early side. It's a little bit thinner, not as round and fat as Robert DeMeo, or even what we're drinking now, which is not even from Avellino, but it is from Campania. It's from mm -hmm. Cilento. So the Greco was insane. I have a 2009 Greco. Was that unexpected? Yes. That the Greco would be aged no, like no, that too? No, because I got an education pretty early on that they age these wines and we should be aging them too. They're Greco from well, no, 2009. That's bad news. Well, no, because you get a couple bottles for now and later. <laughs> They're Greco tasted like petrol also and mineral and flint. I have whiskey as a note. Whiskey? Yes, it had this Is sort that from of like the barrel? a No, it had sort of this like raciness about it, this sweet yet earthiness to it. I loved it. And then their Tarazi blew the doors off. Demeos blew the doors off. The Tezole, elegant violets, fresh. Oh my God. It was unbelievable. They're so experimental in all the right ways. They know exactly what they're doing and they're fantastic. And I need to thank Antonio for introducing me to them because they were a producer I was not familiar with, but mm. I will seek them out regardless of where they are. I will find Petilia and I will P-E-T-I-L-I-A. It will be in the show notes. Then I hung out with Antonio Cavaldo. So fun. I got the tour of Feodi di San Gregorio, which is one of the most modern wineries I've ever been to, but not pretentious or weird at okay. all. Modern they, just in terms of the way that it's they got constructed a lot of tech. or the... It, the their, yeah. their winemaking facility. I mean, they have all the tech. It almost look like a Bordeaux facility. You know, the, but it's not like I mean, obviously, it's not sterile. No, no, not, no, no, no. They're no, not no. taking the art out of but it. But it's very modern. Okay. No, no, it's very modern. And actually, the building was designed by a Japanese artist. Oh, wow. huh. But there's art everywhere. A lot of the Italian producers have art everywhere. It's really tied in. Very. Uh, Dimeo also has an art program. Hmm. 
So I spent the afternoon with Antonio. Showed me around, showed me his favorite spots, Mm -hmm. really cool technology. They ferment every single one of their plots separately. Why? What? And then they blend them together to see how they do. Because they can. Okay. Because they can. It actually, it pays off. The wine is fantastic. Is it expensive to do that? Yes, it's extremely expensive. And they have all sorts of different size fermenters. And yeah, I've got some pictures. And it's hilarious because Galt, shout out to Lyle and Galt who were on the trip in Tuscany. But I showed a picture of it during the hangout. Right. And Galt goes... That looks like a Dalek from Doctor Who. Right. I love Doctor Who. Yes. And I said that to Antonio. I was like, do you watch Doctor Who? While we were in the cellar. Yeah. I was like, these look like Daleks. Did he know what you're talking no, about? No, but he said that he was interested in watching it. And I was like, you need to watch it because oh you God. have Daleks That's all hilarious. over. Anyway, Daleks are, they're these little like, these steel things. They look like small fermenters and they're like, exterminate, right, exterminate. And they try to kill everybody. Right. Totally dorky sci-fi. Feodi, we did a tasting after we came back from the most spectacular old vine vineyard I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like Those this. are the pictures that you showed me that they, I, yes. it, it looked prehistoric almost. As I mentioned, what's old is new again. Antonio found somebody who was growing in Tarazi, who was growing old vine at Yannico. They were trellised in the old way. So people used to trellis things quite high. If we think about Portugal, for instance, where they would have the patamares that, and they would grow things up trees on yeah. the sides of what? the cornfields. And they did this in Spain as well. Now, some of it was to keep away from the moisture. But this is in Vino Verde. If you could keep the stuff up high, you could grow things underneath. So you're making the most of the ground available to you. And that is why those vines were created in that way. Now, the only problem- It's like when the airlines are going to go double-decker on us. Right. I mean, they should do that, right? So coming out of the ground, there are like squares, basically, of these old vines that are trellised, and they're just hanging down like arms. This is a sight to see. Now, what Antonio said is that when the grapes grow in and the canopy grows in, it is basically like a maze because the entire thing, you can stand underneath it and it's all leaves and they have to harvest on ladders. It's all leaves. And he said, it's basically like a maze and it's it's a little disorienting Hmm. because it's all just this green canopy and underneath is, is you. Yeah, it's like a real labyrinth. Yeah. And not only that, they've got some hectares there. And then on the other side, they have newer vine, Yannico, but none of it is grafted. They've taken all of the plant matter. They've taken a rootstock from the old vine, Yannico. Yeah. Cultivated it in a nursery. And then they've replanted it in another vineyard across the way. Huh. So all of this is coming from the mother clone, and it pays off because that Feodi di San Gregorio, Serpico, truffles, pepper, earth, that is their high-end Alianico. It's not even that expensive. It is just amazing. Their Fiano is also great. The young Fiano is great. The aged Fiano is great. But the Serpico tastes like balsam and herbs and black pepper. These are pre-phylloxera vines. 
that you're not going to find anywhere else. Again, this is why Campania is so unique. How did it survive? It's volcanic soils, and phylloxera can't live in volcanic soils. Oh, really? Just like it can't live in sand. Yeah. Oh, huh. There's a few places in the world where phylloxera can't live. This is why they've got so many old vines, and they're very high-quality old vines. From those pictures, I didn't even think vines could get that big. They're pretty thick, too. They That's really the other are, thing. Yeah. yeah. There's some old vine Zinfandel that gets that big, yeah. too. I had dinner with Antonio. We had like 50 bazillion courses. We drank a ton of wine. He was like, what do you want from... And let me also say, they're rosé, stunning. They make sparkling wine. Alianico. Oh. They make sparkling wine that's stunning. I didn't even know they had all this Hmm. stuff. We had great fun, great food. If you do go, make sure you have dinner at that restaurant at Feodi di San Gregorio. It is at the winery. It's very modern. It is very chic, and the food is fantastic. And, of course, the wine. Wait, so he's coming on again, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Yeah, he can be a regular if he wants. He's full of energy, full of life, and passionate about the region. Love it. The final one I'm going to talk about is sort of the opposite of Feodi. They are really different. And that is Mastro Berardino. Mastro Berardino is one of the oldest properties, one of the oldest wineries in Campania. They are responsible largely for the reputation of Campania because Antonio Mastro Berardino pushed to widen international markets. And the legacy remains that these wines, they have made wines in La Crema Cristi down near Vesuvius, Fiano. They have made Greco. They have made Alianico, and they have made it since I've got pictures of bottles from 1927. Yes, we did the tour of the cellars, but, but when you the biggest honor for me, Piero Mastroberardino met me himself. No way. And he is going to come on the podcast. Oh, wow. Yes. How did he you is, pull that one off? I have no idea. He, I, I have no idea. He is also a business guy. He is a P, an MBA and a PhD, and he teaches business school in Foggia, oh which is over in Puglia. Puglia is really not very far away. I guess I always thought Campania and Puglia were pretty far away, but it's right there. Really? Yeah, it was almost, I was about 25 kilometers away from Foggia at one point. Piero Mastroberardino really has a lot of legacy behind him, a traditional producer in Mastroberardino. Okay. okay. But... So he's not a big hulking winery, though. They are big. They are big. No, but in the same way that big hulking wineries exist in the new world. It doesn't even exist in this part of the world. It doesn't even exist. Even Feodi, which makes, you know, about 300,000 cases of wine. I managed a brand out of business school that was 300,000 cases of wine, and it wasn't very good wine. But, like, that was just, they gave that to somebody right out of business school and said, here, you take care of this. That is big and hulking. And that's the biggest one in the region. That's Feodi. Masha Berardino is smaller. I don't know how many bottles they make, but it is smaller. I adored Piero Masha Berardino mm-hmm. in a very different way from how I adore Antonio Cabaldo. And I thought he was such a really excellent representative for the history of this region. I thought he was well-spoken about his family's legacy and about the importance of Campania in the world scheme and in Italy and about pushing the dialogue forward. And, oh, Lord, there is Stilema wines, which are their top-tier wines. I came out of that being like, I don't care how much the Aglianico is, but I am trying to track it down right now. And I shouldn't even be announcing this on the show because I'm like, I am literally trying to work every angle I can to get that Aglianico in my life again. Yes. 
that Alyanico, it was like walking into an Indian temple and drinking all of the spices and the jasmine and then adding black pepper to it and some fruit. It was a heavenly experience. And that is their Alyanico, their Tarazi. I could not believe that that was going in my mouth. It was divine. Also, their fianos were divine. So the winemaker was there, mm-hmm. and Pierre. They were all. They were taking me through it. They're so nice. Just everybody was super nice. And <laughs> the winemaker loves Greco, but Piero loves Fiano also. So how do, how do they reconcile that? They wake at work, but I again, I love them. Totally different vibe. You know, they have a museum there. A museum? Yeah, because for wine. Yes, because their family. They've got the every era. Their historical importance in all of the documentation. They've got things from the 1800s. Jeez. I think even the 1700s. Hmm. Correspondence about the Mastroberardino family, and I loved it. This is what I have to say about Campania. I've mentioned four fantastic producers, and there are so many more. And I can't wait to go back and see so many more because they are small and they're passionate. And this region is so under the radar that I want to share it with you. I want you to try it. I want you to know about it. I want you to go out and get yourself some of these spectacular white wines from these really like serious artisan producers. These are small producers everywhere. And the Tarazi, I know it is expensive, but gosh, it is so worth it, especially if you like spicy wines. This is really just a whole other level of wine. I'm thinking back on the Demeo Tarazi also. Jeez, mm-hmm. I mean, just the memory of having that wine, I will never forget. Even if the people had been horrible, I will never forget the wine. But in addition, the people were wonderful. And I cannot wait to have them on the show and share their stories with you. But we all need to, as buyers request, hey, where's the Fiano on the shelf? I want that. I want Greco. I want Alianico. Even if it's Irpinia, which is the DOC of Alianico, or, or, and it's not Tarazi, we should all be drinking these wines. These are some support. of the best whites you can get, especially if you're a red wine lover like myself. I mean, these are amazing. And if you are tempted to learn more about wines, what a great entree into the, the category. And if you're a red lover, let's just say the Alianico is an experience. And since I'm a texture person. Ugh, Fiano. Yes. All day. Yes. But Greco too. Greco has that minerally Chablis right. style. That's why I'm saying I was to them, say, I, I think like Chablis. Greco, right. Greco is really similar to Chablis, right. which is really high in acidity and has this flintiness and minerality. And I think Greco is really like that. So anyway. I came back from Campania, if you can't tell, more excited than ever about these wines. I am so happy that I went. The only caveat I'm going to say is that this is not travel that is going to be easy, and it's not wineries that are going to be easy. So if you love these wines, just be aware that there are Like you can only hit a couple in a day? No, more like it's not, not everybody speaks English. Uh, Okay. So you may need a guide. They can be challenging to find if you're driving around because they're not obvious. They're not on the road. You don't have one road of all wineries. Right, right. Like highway signs with you're on It's not Napa 29. This is a bit more adventuresome. If you are going to go to Campania, just be prepared that it is more of an adventure travel type of thing. 
But guess what? You don't have to go to Campania to enjoy the wines. Do armchair travel. Get to know these wines. You will not regret it. I promise you. I don't know anybody that I've recommended Fiana to or Greco or Alianico for that matter that hasn't said this is now part of my wine drinking I had no routine. idea. that. I mean, those are all some of my most favorite whites in the world. I had I didn't know they were all from the same region. That's embarrassing. And I but. give a nod to Falangina, which is the simplest of all of them. Everybody makes a Falangina. No one really talks about mm-hmm. it. Oftentimes it has residual sugar in it. It can be very herbal. My favorite Falangina actually is from Feodi di San Gregorio. Out of all of the Falanginas that I had, some people don't even make a Falangina. It is probably the most well-known of the wines. Right. That's what people know, but it is by far the least exciting. Greco and Fiano are way more exciting. And again, this show is really about the Avellino, Greco di Tufo, and Terrazzi areas, Irpinia. We can talk about the Vesuvio areas, Lacrima Christi, and all of those other areas at another point in time. But this is really about my trip to this corner of the world. All right. So you've totally sold me on this region. I want to go now. Um, (laughs) If we were going to go, what can I expect from a food stand? Everything is so fresh and delicious. They have pizzas and pastas and things like that. They have meats. They have soups. But this is traditional. Oh, my gosh. The picture that you sent from the freaking truck stop that had its own chef. (laughs) It was like better than any meal I've had in years. So from the auto grill, which is basically like, you know, we pull over for McDonald's here. They have a guy who will make pasta for you on demand. And I had a caprese salad and pesto with, you know, fresh 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 made. And it was one of the most delicious things I have eaten. It was like 10 euro also for all of that. So you could you could go there, and this is not just a wine trip. This is Oh, gosh. But I'm not even talking about that. When I went out to eat. Culinary experience. Yeah, well, when I went out to eat, I will tell you, everything was fresh. The tomatoes, the basil, all of the herbs, you know, oregano and, and mozzarella. Sounds like making the kids while you were gone. Fresh mozzarella. <laughs> yes, mac and cheese. Um, <laughs> you know, craft mac and cheese. Really yep. the orange kind. Orange. Really fresh. Yep. Really yep. fresh. Craft yeah. singles. Yeah, some yes. Velveeta. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, no, we don't do a Velveeta around here. All right, we are going to stop here, but thank you all so much for indulging me in this reconstruction of this wonderful trip. Like I said, if we do not ask for these wines, they won't be available. So don't give up. Don't just say, oh, they don't have it. Go and ask and say, can you get me a Fiano from Campania? Ask for it. See if people will bring it in for you because that is the only way that people will know how fantastic these wines are. And they need to get out there. We need to support these producers. You know what? Not just because, oh, they're small and it's cute. No, these wines are stunning, stunning, stunning. Okay, so that is Campania, MCI's approved. Uh, more than approved. I'm, I'm, I'm on Expedia right now trying to book a flight. And you're drinking your Fiano. Best. It really is. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.